hopefully the day before Friday. I think that's what Thursday is nationally known as. So Thursday, the day before Friday, September 10th, is treating everybody well. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am Brandon LaChance, your host. Happy to be with you. Lots of awesomeness to talk about. Don't know where you're listening to this one. You can catch all episodes of Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Also hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Have any suggestions, questions, think somebody would be a good guest, want us to know about something, to talk about on an episode, send us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. This is episode 106, special guest Nick McLaughlin, who is the new St. Bede Athletic Director. If you paid attention to local sports in the Illinois Valley, he was an assistant for the LaSalle Peru football team. He was the head LaSalle Peru track and field coach. He was a principal at Lawston. He has been around the area doing different things. Now he has found a home with St. Bede as the athletic director. And this is a crazy time to take over position such as athletic director as we are all battling COVID-19, trying to figure out a way to deal with it, keep kids safe, still let them play sports, have fans there. It is a weird, dynamic, weird experience, weird situation. And Nick McLaughlin sounds like he is dealing it the best that he can. We talk all about that and more. Great conversation. I am sure Nick will do good things with St. Bede. And he's got a lot of people at St. Bede that are there for resources, including Tom McGonagall, who was athletic director, still at St. Bede doing other duties. That is the man of St. Bede. He has been on the podcast twice. Good friend of ours at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. So I know he will not let Nick squander as athletic director. Not that Nick would do any squandering anyway. Smart dude. Passionate dude. Definitely involved in sports. Involved with the kids. I'm sure he's going to do a great job with St. Bede. So I was definitely glad to have him on and we speak everything St. Bede. And more. Huge college football fan. So we dove into that as well. Push this off for a few shows. There's so much I wanted to talk about local stuff and other things going on. Brock Lesnar, a free agent. Start off with some WWE stuff, huh? Brock Lesnar, free agent, not renewing his contract with WWE. Can't say I'm sad. Can't say I'm happy. Never a really huge Brock Lesnar fan, but I respected him and understood what he meant to the WWE. With him leaving, this is what I see. He's gone. Undertaker retired, even though he was a... WrestleMania guy, he would come back, maybe a Raw or a SmackDown, one half of a storyline, and then he was gone again for another year. Hasn't really been a main piece of WWE in quite a few years. But his name brought people to the TV screen or to the arena to see him as we knew his career was coming to a close. Undertaker's gone, Lesnar a free agent, not re-signing his contract, all kinds of talks about Randy Orton, AJ Styles going to AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Triple H isn't a wrestler anymore. Just all the names that made WWE watchable or a thing are gone. Rock, he's doing movies, taking care of his family as him and his whole family were diagnosed with COVID-19. He's got other things going on. John Cena, other things going on. 
Not really a wrestler anymore. He's here, there. He's kind of doing the Undertaker thing now. All the names, the huge superstars that dominated news coverage for WWE are leaving or are gone. So Brock Lesnar is just another one in the line of superstars, big names that are no longer there. And I always see these questions on these groups that I'm in about, why do you think WWE isn't good anymore? Why do you think wrestling is falling off? Well, first, wrestling goes in cycles. It falls off, comes back, falls off, comes back through the history of time. I, I like to think that I'm a student of my games. I think I know a lot about NBA. I think I know a lot about hip hop. I think I know a lot about things that I care about, things that mean something to me, and wrestling being one of them. So I go back, or have went back, and watched the WWWF when Vince McMahon's dad owned it and seen the wrestling how it was then. And I've read books and stuff about the old school stuff all the way until where we are now. And there's always been a pattern of ups and downs and creeks and valleys. And mid-1990s WWF was ridiculously awful to watch. You had Bret Hart, Undertaker... Shawn Michaels, if he was on a good day, and then that was it. Then you had a bunch of bums. That's what it was. It was a bunch of characters. Duke the Dumpster Grossy. You had a, a garbage man. Doink the Clown. You had a clown. It was a bunch of circus acts with two or three legit wrestlers or people that you wanted to see on TV. And that was about it. But they made it through that. Went through the attitude area with boom in wrestling. The biggest boom, if you ask me. I know the golden era with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, that was a huge era. The MTV rock and roll, that was huge, very, very huge, and that's what kind of got me hooked on. I mean, 1985, when that's going on, I'm not even thought of, or just about to be thought of. When I'm five, six years, Hulkamania is still going on, Ultimate Warrior comes along, huge, huge, huge names, and they were backed up by many, many, many people that become Hall of Famers. Mr. Perfect, Big Boss Man, Legion of Doom, and I can keep going and going and going and going in the list of names that were huge around them. You don't have that now. So all of this is why WWE, wrestling in general, is kind of falling off. And that's not saying that it won't come back around because that's what happens. They're waiting for that moment. Not waiting for it, but that moment has to happen. And it's not happening at the moment. You like how I did that? Moment, moment. But would I like to see it interesting again or worth my time to watch it? Oh, yeah. I've been a wrestling fan forever since I was a little kid, and now it's not interesting. So it would be cool if it comes back around. But it's not doing that right now. It's really not. Don't know if they need different superstars, if they need legit superstars, because that's been a thing, too. You went through that era where you had Triple H, Steve Austin, The Rock, Undertaker, Kane, these big names that were electrifying to watch had to steal that from The Rock. I like Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns is what he is, but they're not those kind of superstars. There's a lot of different things that could go on. But with these superstars leaving, like a Brock Lesnar, that's why. That's what's going on here. They don't have the people to refill. It's not like the NFL where there is a college draft every year where you're looking for those next Tom Brady's. Those next Jerry Rice's. And you might not get that level, but you're getting people that are good. Really, really, really good. But then you fall across a Patrick Mahomes one year. And it turns a franchise around. Ask the Kansas City Chiefs. Win a Super Bowl because this quarterback is a phenom. 
It happens. WWE is probably impatiently, very impatiently, waiting for that to happen. And it's not taking place at this moment. Best wishes to Brock Lesnar, his wife, Sable, who was a WWE superstar at one point. Huge WWE superstar. Playboy, cover shoot, cover photo. I don't even know the terms anymore. Playboy's not a thing. That's not even a thing anymore. With the magazines and all the WWE divas that went that route to get their name bigger and bigger and make a little more dollars in the paycheck. Best wishes to them. Both getting a little older. Wonder if Brock Lesnar will go back to MMA, UFC fighting. He might be a little too old for that now. I mean, he left getting beat up. So I think if he came back, he would get beat up. Best wishes to them, no doubt. Well, some things go out of style or leave, and then some things come in. That's how the world works, right? Go in, go out. Well, since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley, a customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's name and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan. Whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach, LP CrossFit's trained coaches Tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of body weight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led and all movements are infinitely scalable so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails. You'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. This show is primarily sports. Let's break it down and talk some TV for a little bit. I've dove into a couple shows lately, first being Big Brother. Been a fan for, I don't know, probably 15 years, but watch it here and there. I haven't dove into it probably about three years. Crazy watching every show. Deciding who I want to win, who to lose. I did this year, did the draft that former boss, co-worker at the local paper, Kevin Klum, and I do. We do a draft. The first person out gets one point. The last person, depending on how many people are in the show, this season, season 22, has 16. So if your guy wins, your girl wins, you get 16 points. This was the worst draft of all time for me. Out of the 16 people, so we got eight apiece, there's been four eliminations. All four have been from my team. And this elimination that is going to happen today, Thursday, 7 o'clock, not trying to advertise for Big Brother, but if you want to watch it, check it out. I love the show. I have another one on the block in Bailey. He's got Devon. If Bailey goes home, that is five straight for me, and I am pretty much out of this competition. I'm actually probably out of it now. I would have to have all my people, the four that I have left, finish one, two, three, four, and I probably might still lose. I didn't go and figure out the numbers. If you want to, and then send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com, let me know. But it's not looking good for me. 
do like the show. There's a couple people I'd really, really, really like to not win. I am not homophobic. I have gay friends. On this show, Kevin drives me absolutely insane. Every time the camera is on him, he looks like he's going to cry. Every time his name is mentioned in a power of veto or on the block or anything, the dude looks like he is going to ball for weeks. I do not like any player like that. That drives me nuts. It's a game. When you get out of that house, your life is either better, usually probably better because you were just on national TV, or the same. It's really not going to drop down. Your friends and family are going to love you the same. They're going to miss you. They're going to talk to you the same way. You probably didn't lose a job. If you did lose a job, you'd get a better job because now your popular face might bring in some more people to the company. So many intangibles here. It's a game. Why are you going to cry every single thing that happens? If you live your life like that, I'm not a fan of that either. Life is too short to be bowling and crying over every little thing. That is why I do not like Kevin and wish he would leave the show. I am not homophobic or gay again. I feel like every time I say his name, that's what the masses think. Or anybody. I've seen it on Twitter too, and that's why I'm saying this here. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care about his preferences. But his personality and the way he is, I would like to not watch him on TV. Memphis. Not a fan of Memphis. Don't know why. He's just old school, chill in the back, but I'm going to try to dominate, run things while you guys do all the dirty work. Which I kind of like, kind of admire, but I just don't like him personally. I don't know why. My favorites on the show are Tyler, Cody. I like Ian. Got autism. He's different, but he's a genius, really smart. I did read on Twitter that people on the live feeds were talking about him or making fun of him. And I was told that by a loved one who was also watching the show with me. Why would you do that? Ian's the man. He doesn't do anybody harm. Yes, he rocks back and forth in the chair, but it's to soothe him, to make him feel better. He's got something naturally, physically wrong with him. I don't want to say wrong. I mean, it's not wrong. Of course, we wouldn't like to be autistic. But he's still a normal functioning dude who is probably the smartest in the house. So that hurt my feelings that people were talking about him. All the people talking about him, I don't remember the names right now. But I hope they leave. I, I kind of want Ian to win now. Even though he's on Kevin's list, Kevin picked him with the first pick. If Tyler doesn't win, I would like to see Ian win. Just because of that. Just show him what's up, Ian. Also, just finished marathoning Breaking Bad. What a great show. I am still surprised that I did not watch it when it first came out. Breaking Bad was really, really well done. There was characters I loved, there was characters I liked, there was characters I hated, which I think that's what a show needs to do. There were situations that were weird or crazy, but I never questioned them. Like, I don't see that happening in real life if this was real situations. Of course, I am not a crystal meth dealer. I do not know any. Wouldn't want to know any. So I don't really know what those situations would happen or how they would occur. But on TV and human being characteristic wise, it seemed like it was kind of a normal flow. I know that seems weird. Crystal meth, people dying, you're doing all this stuff behind your family's back, normal flow, not really linking, syncing together. But if you could somehow put your brain into that world and how you would think and how you would try to get away with things and how you would take care of yourself, your family, your business partners, your money, what would you do, how would you go about it? 
kind of seem like a sort of normal flow, at least TV-wise, because, hey, they're trying to get more watchers, rates up, TV rates. You know, that's what they're there to do. So I got it, and I like shows where it makes sense and everything flows. doesn't have to flow for me to think, like, hey, that's what I would do, because obviously I'm not in that world. That's not my mindset. But to try to get into their mindset and why they would do something and think like, well, okay, he did this because of that. That makes sense. It did that. I do not like shows that do not do that because then it's like, why am I watching this? Like, what's the point of this? It's all botched up, bottled, nothing makes sense because there's so many other shows that make more sense and you know how it goes. We have crazy amounts of options and things to do with our time now. Breaking Bad was worth every single second of my time and I am very, very glad I watched it. I am not the one that goes back and watches shows again and again and again because there's so many other things to do. So many other shows to watch, movies to watch, so I'm not that guy. But I will recommend Breaking Bad if you have not seen it. I know, as usual, late to the party with TV shows. I am not a sit in front of the TV all the time kind of guy. Play video games, I'm doing other things, work, family, friends, loved ones, you know, all that other stuff. Definitely on my top five list. It moved into the top five. It definitely moved into the top five. Walter White was a great character. Walter Jr. was cool. I still feel like I would be best friends with him. I absolutely hated Marie, hated Hank, hated Skyler for the majority of the show. Like I said, you have to have those people that you hate to actually like other characters more. Jesse was cool. I think he was a little overdone sometimes, like super crazy and strung out more than probably needed to be. But I got it. I mean, he was a meth addict, and they were trying to show that, the things that they do. His friends, Badger and was it Skinny P, definitely crackheads. Definitely people that I would not have around me, but are fun to see around other people. But they just had this group of characters, like I said, that you could love, you could like, you could hate. The storyline ran together pretty smoothly. There was crazy things happening that you couldn't picture in real life or wouldn't want to picture in real life. And that's what's good about TV. That's why we watch. We want to get out of our world and get into other worlds. And Breaking Bad did a great job of that. So with one show ending, Breaking Bad, well, it did end, but I finally got to the end of it. Started another one. Just watched the first episode right before I pushed the record button for Edge of URC podcast. And that's Cobra Kai. I've been seeing all kinds of high reviews about it. Lots of people my age where, you know, I'm born in 1985, 34 years old. A lot of my friends in that same timetable, we kind of grew up on Karate Kid. I've probably seen it five, ten times, but I'm going to have to watch it again because the last time I seen it was definitely in the 90s, but I couldn't tell you when. But it's kind of cool to have something spin off of something from so long ago. The characters are back. They're older, adult-wise. 30 minutes, a 36-minute programs which I like better than the hours I don't know why but I seem like hey if I got two or three hours to watch TV I can fit in six or seven half hours compared to one two or three hour shows that's the way I like to do it you get further along you know the seasons get over and you can go to the next show when they come back you're just excited and interested in watching it again but it's really cool to go back they keep putting clips at least in the first episode like I said that's all I've watched the first episode of Cobra Kai, clips of the movie from the 80s, The Karate Kid, and the little symbolisms. Like Danny LaRusso handing the bonsai plants 
at the car dealership. Mr. Miyagi, that was his thing. So the little symbolisms, I like it. I like it. Get back in that mode. I'm very, very interested to see how the show flows and how it takes place with, you know, the two karate vets getting back. Still got that little tension between them. Still rivals. It's been 30 years. Life has changed, and it's still very competitive. So we'll see what happens. I'm very, very interested to see how this goes down. Hopefully you're watching. Highly recommended too. Already after one episode. Seems like it's going to be a great show. But to be able to watch these shows, you got to be able to sit somewhere or watch TV somewhere. Why not do it in the comfort of your own home? But to have a comfort home, let me look right. It's got to feel right. It's got to be yours. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olsen Construction helps you make your home yours. The family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olsen Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olsen have been in construction for over 10 years and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, Call Olsen Construction, which is fully licensed and insured, at 815-910-5982. Olsen Construction can also be found on Facebook at the Olsen Construction LLC page or via email olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Got the TV stuff out of the way. Got wrestling out of the way, which is also TV stuff. Let's break down some sports. NBA playoffs, clicking, rolling, flying by. Already getting down to the Western and Eastern Conference Final teams. Not quite there yet. Miami Heat are already sitting in in the Eastern Conference Finals. Waiting for their competition. Their competitor. It's either going to be the Raptors or the Celtics. Toronto beat Boston 125-122 on Wednesday night to tie the series 3-3. I'm going to have to watch Game 7. I personally want Boston Celtics to win. I think the Celtics and the Heat would be a great, great, great series. I want to see what Jimmy Butler can do against Boston, who has a pretty solid defense. I love Kemba Walker. I love Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown is fastly moving up my list. Just interested, excited to see the series between Heat and the Celtics. Not saying the Raptors wouldn't be exciting. But they did their thing last year. I am very impressed with what they were able to do. Forcing a Game 7 against Boston. They lost Kawhi. Helped them win the NBA Finals last year. Got the NBA Championship they never had before. Everybody thought that they were going to be an awful team. Finished second in the regular season. Doing great things in the playoffs. But me personally as a basketball fan, I just think the dynamics of the Celtics and the Heat would be a better series. That's all. If the Raptors get in, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm still going to want to watch the Raptors, see what Kyle Lowry does, see what Fred Van Fleet representing Rockford, Illinois, what he's doing. Siakam's kind of had a rough playoff run here and there, a couple good games, more bad than good. But you never know what happens in those clutch moments. He's been moving up in the superstar level the last couple years, especially last year. And with the Raptors' success this year, you know, it's propelled them a little more. So, not saying if the Raptors win, it's going to be awful. Not saying that whatsoever. But seeing Boston and Miami is what I would personally like to see. But I'm definitely going to watch that Game 7. That's going to be intense. 
Also on Wednesday, Los Angeles Clippers defeated Denver Nuggets 96-85. Clips take a 3-1 lead. The Nuggets just can't match with the Clippers. I honestly thought the Jazz were a better win if they could have knocked out Nuggets to go against the Clippers. I don't know. I like Jamal Murray. I like Nikolai Jokic. Jokic. He's another name I gotta say twice before I get it right. I like those guys. I just... You got Kawhi. You got Paul George who all of a sudden wants to be the man, which I'm a fan of. So you got two top, we'll say 10 players. Lou Williams comes off the bench and can drop 30 any game. I just think the Clippers have way more firepower, and I will always go with a team where Kawhi is the number one player. The only one that I wouldn't do that is probably the Lakers. We get to a Clippers-Lakers Western Conference Finals. I'm probably picking the Lakers. They got a guy named LeBron James and another guy named Anthony Davis. But besides the Lakers, it's the Clippers. I'm taking the Clippers over everybody in the West besides the Lakers. That's how it is. And it's because of Kawhi. But the Clips got a 3-1 lead. They will obviously meet the winner of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Houston Rockets. Lakers got a 2-1 lead in that Western Conference semifinal. Their game four is tonight, Thursday at 6 p.m. Like I said, it's Lakers then Clippers in the West in my opinion. Again, I like James Harden, like Russell Westbrook, lots of players I like all over the league, but I just don't think they can get past the team like LeBron and AD and the Lakers. I just don't see it. And Rockets won game one and everybody's like, hey, you know, they could take this series. And that's not saying that they couldn't, but said this on the last podcast, LeBron James and his team, whatever team it is, the Lakers, the Heat, the Cavaliers, it doesn't matter what squad he's on. It seems like they lose game one often. It's like they need a reminder, like, hey, a team can beat you at any time at any moment. It's like they need that reminder. So for game two, three, four, five, six, they're killing it. And that's what the Lakers have done again. Lost game one, take game two, game three. We'll see what happens from here on out. Also on Wednesday, White Sox defeated Pittsburgh Pirates 8-1. Cubs lost to the Cincinnati Reds 3-0. Not a good September so far for Chicago teams. White Sox, as of September 10th, 5-3, 5 wins, 3 losses. So they're above 500 for the month. I mean, obviously you'd like to see 6-2, 7-1, just a little better. But 5-3, it's okay. The Cubs, the month of September... Five and five. It's like they win a game, maybe two, then they'll lose two, then they'll win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. They can't get on a streak right now. Hopefully they can start streaking as September continues to roll along. White Sox are off tonight. Reds and Cubs meet again at 7:15. Hopefully the Cubs can start to streak. Love to see it. But man, it's been tough for them. A little pitching, not hitting the ball at all. Your professional baseball team, you got to connect the bat with the ball. The beginning of the baseball season, we're like, oh man, the Cubs are locked. They're playing awesome. And then it slowly, uh, maybe quickly, just kind of fell apart. They were on a nice little track, and now, like I said, it's win one, maybe win two, lose one, lose two. Usually don't have a great end of the season with results like that. Baseball can be tough. Other things can be tough as well. It is Definitely, definitely difficult starting something new. A new business isn't a smooth startup. A new product or service isn't as easy as riding a bike either. 
In the digital world, Jamison Media Services gives that bike new tires, a comfortable cushion, and a motor. No pedals needed. Locally owned Jamison Media Services offers businesses and organizations something extremely important in the technology era, digital marketing solutions. To help your professional endeavor prosper and stay successful, Jamison Media Services designs websites, produces videos, manages social media, and has a license to fly drones for photography and video. You choose a vehicle, a shiny new bike made easy to ride, a drone for flashy stylish vibes, or both. Jamison Media Services paves the road and clears the skies for amazing digital marketing solutions. Call 815-866-9352 to contact owner Brent Jamison. Also, make sure to check out jamisonmediaservices.com. Well, high school sports have hit contact days. I know it's been rainy and cold and all that other good stuff, but at least they've had the okay to have a little contact, football practices, and all that other stuff that high school athletes love to do when it gets back to sports. Been a long layoff for a lot of you, a lot of them. Probably feels good to be back. Hopefully you've gotten back. Like I said, it's been rainy and looking out the window of Edge of Your Seat Studios right now and Still a little dark, a little gloomy, but hopefully all of you are happy to be back in sports because I know us as media or fans or family, loved ones are happy for you that you're back at it and we can watch, follow, and talk about it. Another thing to be happy about today is the start of the NFL season. Super pumped. Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl winners, the champs. Can't wait to get football on again. This is going to be amazing. In three fantasy football leagues and a pick em. So I am diving in head first, ready for the football season to get here, to roll, to just have football on all the time. I am pumped. But I'm also pumped at what's going on at St. Bede High School Sports to have everybody back together, slowly working through this COVID-19 and giving us some sports to watch listen to, follow, talk about all the things that we love. Sports fans are sports fans, no matter what. And we want that back in our lives on the levels that we're used to. Big shout out to St. Bede. Shout out to Nick McLaughlin for doing what he's doing, stepping into a new job as the athletic director, and trying to get this COVID-19 in the back of everybody's mind and be safe, but still have fun. So without further ado, let's kick it to Nick. Great guy, great conversation. Let's get it to him. Until next time, peace. With school starting, sports are starting in Illinois high schools. My guest friend today taking over a new gig, athletic director at St. Bede, Nick McCaughlin. How is it going, my friend? It's good, man. It's, it's busy. Busy time of year for athletic directors, schools, you know, but it's good. It's exciting. When I heard that you were the St. Bede athletic director... I kind of smiled and then it was like, it makes sense. Like, I wasn't surprised at all. Just felt like a good fit for you. You're a sports guy. You're good with kids. I was like, this is perfect for him. It's a great fit. I came from Marquette High School, obviously graduated there in 2010. And, uh, you know, so I had that Catholic education. And it's exciting to be back into a, a parochial school, Catholic education. And just there's something about the, the history and traditions in these schools that mean something. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a family atmosphere, too. And so it's exciting. And there's a lot of good things happening over at the academy right now. So it's a, a good time to be a part of it. 
How are the daily duties and the rigorous, I guess, hours and commitment you have to put into, you know, a school as an athletic director? How are you adjusting to that? Uh, you know, I came from Wasta School last year. It's, it had about 56 kids in the whole school. So, you know, I was able to leave at, at four, you know, so take on the assistant principal role as well as the athletic director role. I'm going to be living at St. Bede when sports get going in full swing, uh, which will be exciting. It'll be some adjustment to, uh, I was talking to my wife, I'm newly married, and so I'm like, hey, just so you know, if you're going to see me, you're going to have to get over to some St. Bede games and we'll grab dinner real quick and, and watch the Bruins play a game, hopefully here this winter. You know, it, it'll be a time commitment, but it'll be, it'll be fun because you're around sports and kids and, you know, all those things are what really matter, you know. Congratulations on the new marriage. What is your wife's name? Laura. Got to give her a shout out, especially, I mean, marrying you must be a, a job for her. Oh, yeah. She is um, <laughs> absolutely a uh, saint for having to put up with me. I know I can't be easy to get along with all the time. And, you know, I'm always going and super busy. And she's been a real champ, you know, and I outkick my coverage with her. And, you know, we got lucky. Got our marriage in. March 14th, so right before all this COVID stuff happened, so so we've been very blessed. Extremely lucky. That was like right as COVID was happening. Yep. And so, I mean, I, we're just fortunate. And I know it made her happy. It made me the happiest man ever because, like I said, I'll kick my coverage. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Good stuff. So you mentioned Lawson. I knew you from LaSalle, Peru, track and field. Your last season there was... I guess a calendar year, year and a half, this upcoming spring would be two years. And then you mm -hmm. took the Lawson job, now you're at St. Pete. So a lot of different positions for you in kind of a short time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I taught English uh, at LP, coached football and track, and I loved coaching, I loved teaching. Back when I was, was teaching, I went back to school and started working on my master's degree in administration. Once you get that degree, you really want to use it, but it's really hard to get your foot into the door in administration until you have some experience, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get the job at Lawson and uh, was the principal there for a year, and you know, I, I love being in the elementary school. It's a lot of great kids and great families over there. But uh, in the, the course of my time there, I realized that I'm a, I'm a high school guy. Uh, I love high school sports. I love having conversations with high school students and talking about life and their future plans. And I saw the position as assistant principal open up at St. Pete, and I'm like, well, going through school, my dream was going back to Marquette. I wanted to teach and coach at Marquette, uh, maybe moving into administration over there, and that never happened uh, for me. And I saw the St. Pete job, and I'm like, hey, it's a parochial school, it's a Catholic school. You know, uh, it's got a rich tradition, it's got great history, and I'm like, I'm going to apply for it. Came in and interviewed and, and uh, fell in love with the place and, and just the great administration that, that we have here at St. Pete with Michelle Mershon and now our new superintendent, Eve Postula, and, um, you know, just the, the great coaches that we have here, it, it just felt like it would be a good move, and I was fortunate enough to get that position. Coming from Marquette, and then now being in at St. Bede, when you were there as an athlete, St. Bede and Marquette were pretty big rivals. When you got hired at St. Bede, did you think anything of that? Like, oh man, some of my old friends uh, might not talk to me no more. Well, you know, nah, it wasn't really that. I, you know, I'm fortunate enough, too. My uh, high school coach was Jim Eustace at Marquette, and so he's our, our head football coach. And I got to coach here last year under him, which was a, a really neat, great experience, uh, you know, to actually coach with, uh, with a coach that you had. You know, so he already had made that transition over to the academy. It's very similar, but it's much different, you know, and um, 
I, I do have a lot of memories playing some sports here. When I was in high school, we were both in the Big Rivers. It's before Marquette switched and went to the Northeastern Athletic. And But we played here. I remember my sophomore year of high school, I was playing varsity football. I broke my leg on the field here at St. Bede. And then I remember my senior year, we were back out here at the academy. And we were uh, up uh, at halftime. And, and just it was a great game. And couldn't finish that game, but you always remember just those, those types of situations where it's, it's just competition against a rival, and you always have those positive memories. IHSA, when they made the ruling to have sort of four sports seasons, now we have golf, tennis, cross country going on for pretty much every school, and then if you're lucky to have a swimming pool or a swimming program, that is also going on right now. We're just starting up. As an athletic director and for, you know, St. Pete as a school sports program, how has it been so far with the COVID-19 still around us and having athletes, student-athletes, still go to classes and still be on practice fields and eventually playing games and stuff? How has that went so far? It's going really well. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think our, our faculty and staff at St. B, our coaches as well, have just really rose to the occasion, right? I mean, this is uh, incredible times that we're living in, things that I never thought I'd see as a teacher, an educator, or a coach, you know, and I think the kids are really doing a great job, too, you know, uh, adjusting to it. Uh, IHSA came out with the schedule, and it's a, it's a perfect no, but it gives kids the opportunity to compete and to play sports and uh, to somewhat have a normal high school experience, right? I think it's really important that, that kids have these experiences and these memories because they shape you for a lifetime, right? Uh, you know, there's lessons that I learned from playing high school sports from Coach Eustace, um, you know, that, that still apply to me in my life today. As crazy as it all is, it's good that the kids are actually getting an opportunity to go back to school, to, to be in competitions. Uh, golf is a very low-contact sport, so it's good that those kids are out there on the greens and, uh, you know, we have cross-country going and Coach McCransky's doing a great job making sure those kids are social distancing, but kids are able to be on a team and be able to compete and be able to just make some memories, and I think that's the most important thing right now. I don't know the exact rules. What are they with masks in classrooms and you know when you're practicing sports or at a sports competition? Well, you know, the IHSA changed some guidance today. If they're out on the golf course and they're social distancing, they don't have to wear a mask. But when our kids are in the building, they're wearing a mask. ISBE's mandate, you know, so our faculty and staff are wearing masks. Our kids are wearing masks, and they're on all day. It's the protocols, and, and we're going to follow those. Um, when they're on a bus going to and from a competition, uh, there's all sorts of requirements that went in with that transportation, and they have to wear a mask on the bus. And, you know, if they're out at cross-country practice, they don't have to run in the mask, but they have to maintain and their social distancing. There's a lot of different rules for different sports and just trying to stay on top of all that uh, can get a little complex. And as we move into these winter sports where there's more contact, uh, obviously we have to follow those IDPH and those ISB standards as well and IHSA standards. And sometimes they don't necessarily go well with each other. I don't, I don't want to say go well with each other, but they don't necessarily mesh well. And that's why IHSA revised several plans this summer. They're finally getting to a point where they're communicating with each other and, and releasing guidance that is pretty much the same. But for a while there, it was a little dicey. Coming into the gig as both as the assistant principal and as the athletic director, were you kind of like worried or nervous about, you know, this upcoming year with this COVID-19 over our heads and how everything was going to work out? I would say I was cautiously optimistic throughout the summer and, and the start of the school year. I, I, I was 
hopeful that we'd start and that now that we've got kids in the building. And you know, obviously there is a, a little bit of, of fear in that, but at the same time, it's we can only do what we can do, right? And we're following the guidelines and we're making priorities to follow those guidelines. And I mean, we've revamped our building. We have signage everywhere talking about social distancing and wearing masks. We've got a divider in our hallway to make sure that kids are you know, not intermingling. And, and like I said, our kids have done a great job just adjusting to these protocols and getting to where they need to be and being safe and, and being good about it. And, you know, we're fortunate that's what they're doing, you know, especially because this is not traditional high school experience for them. You know, it's a little different. And so I, I'm just glad that we're in the building and that they're getting uh, some in-person education. You know, we're, we're doing remote on Wednesday. And so we, we take that Wednesday day off to kind of remote teach those students, but get our building cleaned and, and uh, ready to go again for the final two days of the week. And so I, I think everyone's doing a great job in light of all these circumstances that we're facing. We have talked about a lot of sports, dropped golf and tennis, football, basketball, when winter sports come around. As an athletic director, you're at these events. You're, you know, watching each sport and you're in attendance. I know you're a sports guy. Are you kind of excited to be able to be a part of everything? Yeah, it'll be good. I mean, one of the, the things with me taking the assistant principalship here at St. Pete is, you know, with my administrative duties and roles, I wouldn't have been able to coach which would be my first season ever not coaching a sport, and uh, that was going to be real hard on me. So I would have been at a lot of games anyway, but now with just being able to pop into practices and being able to talk to the coaches and interact with some of the players and, and be at those games, it's going to be a great experience. I love sports, and I love I love seeing kids play sports and what that teaches them. And, and so uh, we've got great coaches that teach those life lessons, and I'm just excited to see the kids get back to, to playing sports and enjoying uh, what those things offer. And so it'll be it'll be exciting. You just mentioned, you know, the coaches and the staff that you have at St. Pete. I've always been a fan of St. Pete coaches. I think I've gotten along with everybody there. Jim Eusis, I'd call him a friend. I call, you know, Marty McCrancy a friend. Pretty much everybody that is at St. Pete is, you know, good people, good coaches. How have you fit in with the dynamic? I know you've known a lot of them from before this position, but how is the whole, I guess, coaching carousel worked for you as an athletic director at this point? Uh, you know, obviously, we, we've got some uh, coaches who've been here for a long time. They do a great job. We've got some new faces. Uh, obviously, with Kerry uh, leaving the academy, we had to hire a volleyball coach, and we brought in Abby Bosnich, who was an assistant here, an alumni from St. Pete. So, I mean, that that was exciting. Get someone back in the building, who, or she's not in the building, but get someone who in the program who, who knows the program through and through and knows what St. Pete's about is, is awesome. You know, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I know a lot of these coaches, and I've, I've known them for a while, and, and there's a great camaraderie between the coaches, and that's important for an athletic department to, to function smoothly. And everyone's got the same goal and the same mission, and that's to really educate these kids, you know, academically, athletically, spiritually, right, and, and just give them things that they can use for the rest of their lives and, and obviously compete at a high level. And so, you know, it's really good to, to have people who are all on board with that same mission. You know, we mentioned... IHSA dividing it up into four seasons. Football got pushed to, to the spring. Baseball track kind of to the summer. What were your initial reactions to the changes and how the sports got rearranged? Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. I can't imagine what it's going to be like practicing for football in February. I know as a track coach, you know, we sometimes go outside in those, uh, you know, February, March. You know, and 
one year it was 70 degrees February 14th, right? And then the next year it was negative two, right? And so I guess it's kind of the, the luck of the draw with the weather, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens uh, and how you're going to practice and, you know, face some of the elements. I mean, I remember a sectional for track in May, you know, and it's like sleeting outside and uh, freezing cold. So, you know, we get some of that weather towards the, the end of a football season, but it's going to be pretty much the whole season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what that does with, with schemes for football. It'll be interesting to see what the warmer temperatures do, does for like our, our track and field programs. You know, I mean, cross country's going right now and I mean it's it's been warm this week and so they're going to see more of that in in May and June than they ever have I, I know those state track meets were always very warm and so um, I think there's just going to be some adjustments to how we practice and, and acclimation to to the weather and that kind of stuff and I think our you just got to be smart with how you do it I think it's great that the IHSA gave an option to actually get some of these sports in I don't know if I necessarily agree with where they placed some of them but uh It'll be interesting to see what happens. And you brought up some good points, like just in track and field. Like, I remember talking to you, I think it was at Plano, and it was sleeting and very, very cold for a track sectional. Yep. And then fast forward a week, and you're at State, and it is 90 degrees, and it feels like it's 100. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's, that's what we're going to face. And so, you know, you talk about things that sports teach and adversity is one of them. And, and I think we're going to see that a lot in these sports seasons this year. We did last year with the cancellations and the kids had to bounce back uh, with those canceled seasons. But now with the ability to actually have hope that we're going to have these seasons, you know, and, and starting these practices, they're going to deal with adversity all season long with just weather and temperature and change and, and something new. And I think... It's an opportunity for all of us to learn and grow. That's the point of sports, and that's the point of life, right? If you're not learning and growing, what are you doing? I totally agree. My only skepticism about IHSA's ruling and how they spread it out was, so say we get these non-contact sports like golf and tennis, and we get those in, and then winter comes, and, you know, it's colder from what I understand, this COVID-19, this virus is more fluent in colder weather and then what if it affects it again and these new sports that are coming in winter and then spring are not allowed to happen again but the fall ones got to play but then these kids don't get to play what happens if that happens you know it's going to be i guess similar to what happened last year you know you you, you get all these other sports that got to play and the, the kids who played spring sports didn't get to finish their their seasons and so you know, you just have to look at it as everyone's doing the best they can with the guidance that we have and the information that we have. And, and you know, is it perfect the way it's set up? No. Is there a chance that those things could happen? Absolutely. Uh, you know, but all we can do is, is, is hope and believe uh, that the decisions that are going to be made are, are for the best interest of keeping kids safe uh, and in the best interest of the kids. And you know, and hope that a vaccine becomes available and, and I hope that some of this COVID stuff it starts to get controlled a little bit. To be honest with you, my heart goes out for kids right now because it's so different. It's, no one signed up for this, but I mean, I can't imagine being a high school student and having to, to deal with the adversity, you know, from not being in school to not being able to play sports and now being in school and it's different than everything you've ever known. And, you know, sports aren't like they used to be, you know, right now with all the guidelines that we have, you got to give them credit. I mean, I can't imagine. 
Yeah, I see the adversity in the workforce, the work field, and we're talking about anywhere from 25 to however old you're still working, 60s. And then you're talking about these high school kids who range from 14 to 18 and having to deal with all of these, I guess, situational things that are going on because of COVID-19, and I, I couldn't imagine it for them either. Yeah, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I'm really proud of, of how, uh, you know, I can speak from the kids here at St. Bede and some of the kids that I coached and taught over at LP that I still communicate with and some of them are still in college. You know, this whole age bracket, I think that they're responding in a positive way, you know, and, and they're doing the best that they can. And the thing is, this is this whole time is teaching us a lot about, I think, humanity. And it's interesting to just kind of be living in this time. And, and you know, I mean, some things are probably going to change forever because of this. But, you know, you get to see different sides of people that you never knew were there. And so it's uh, it's been challenging, but I think at the same time, it's, it's been good. I totally agree. And even with my skepticism about how the IHSA did it, I'm still glad that they had sports. I mean, they could have cut them off again yep. and not had anything, which... I don't think that's fair either to punish everybody and say, hey, we can't have any sports, but to, to have at least that trying, that effort to like, hey, let's try to make this happen. We'll work with you if you work with us. Just make sure you're social distancing, you're wearing masks, and we will try to make this happen. So I give them credit at the same time. Yeah, I do. I do too. Like I said, it, you know, when that came out, you know, obviously I didn't think that the, the fall sports were going to happen like they normally would with the numbers and, and the cases of COVID. But when they redid all this, it, like I said, it's not perfect, but it gives hope. Hope's a big thing. I'm glad that we have that moving through, you know, this this first fall season and heading into winter sports eventually and new spring sports and, and, and summer sports. And so the whole thing is a big deal. And uh, like I said, it's given us the ability to have that. Getting back to the lighter side of things, you mentioned being an assistant coach for football last year. What were your duties as the assistant coach last year and what do you hope to do this year? Well, you know, uh, last year I just kind of assisted with the offensive-defensive line. Uh, you know, with my principal gig, I was getting here towards halfway through practice. And, you know, I was a lineman. I played in this offense under Coach Eustace at Marquette, so I, I understand the steps and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I couldn't make a, a full commitment, but I was here when I when I could be here and I was at the games and everything like that. You know, so, and they have a great line coach with Brett Valley, played at Western Illinois just a, a big guy and he knows his stuff and so fortunate to have him but um you know and this year you know obviously I can't coach but you know I plan on making my rounds at different sports practices and making sure I'm there for the coaches and available and just seeing what's going on and you know I'm sure that if I walk out to a football practice and I see a step you know and it's not right maybe I'll correct it you know a little bit but I don't think you can fully remove the coach but I think being the athletic director kind of gives you the ability to see all these other things and so uh, I won't be coaching but you know I'll be around it's kind of what I meant like how you go about that as you know now you're the athletic director football season comes around you've been coaching football forever how do you adapt to that that's got to be something different for you that's kind of what I meant by that yeah yeah I don't know it's going to be different but you know you know, even this year going in, I knew, you know, in the summer they were doing some camp stuff before everything changed with the protocols and, and the IHSA. So I'd walk down there and just kind of watch, right? Didn't say much, just watch. And I think that's going to be a lot of it. You know, I'm going to miss the coaching, but I'll be around and then just watch and adjust to it that way, I guess. Besides high school football, I know you're a college football fan. Yeah. Big Ten, not even going to play. Yeah, crazy. 
super crazy. Like when it's college football, even if Illinois is not good, I am watching Illinois because of Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State uh-huh. just because we're playing these awesome teams or even an Ohio State-Michigan game. You're watching those. It's not yeah. here. It's going to be so crazy. No, it is going to be. It is going to be crazy. And, you know, what What else is the Pac-12, you know, canceled theirs? And you got the MAC, who, that group of five, they, they were postponed to the spring at least, I think, you know? Yep, that's true. And so, you know, you got a lot of those programs that canceled it all together. I don't understand why the NCAA didn't just come and say, hey, either you're all canceling or you're all going to play. It's kind of hard to, to do that, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what this does to college programs, you know, financially. So I read every day, you know, this coach is taking a 20% pay cut. This program is, you know, furloughing a bunch of workers. And so it's it's interesting to see kind of what it's, it's going to shift the dynamics of college football, I think, forever, too. And especially for this year. So without the Big Ten, you know, Ohio State is in the race for the four spots in the playoffs or are in the playoffs every year. Yep. Other teams like that, Pacto, I mean, we're talking USC, things like that. With yep. those type of programs, Wisconsin, I could keep going on, Michigan, I already said them, but without them being there, is this the year when a team like, you know, the Boise State teams of old or those teams that are still Division One, but they're not the big schools, is this when they maybe get their their chance? Maybe. I mean, I would, I would hope that... You know, with those programs who aren't competing in there, you know, I mean, I don't even understand why they rank them in the preseason rankings if they're not having a season. But, you know, if if you're competing for, you know, playing games and competing and you're playing at a high level, maybe a group of five gets in there, you know. But I honestly don't know how they're going to be able to have the college football playoff with without having all the teams in there too. So, because are they going to run one in the spring or when the other teams decide that they want to play? You know, are they going to wait to play the college football playoff until everything's said and done? You know, there's a lot of question marks. And so I would hope that they would do what's in the best interest of all these college programs. The thing is, all these these athletes are playing for a purpose, you know, to earn a chance and to get into the NFL or something like that. And so maybe do something right by them as well. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'd love to see a group of five team make the final four, though. Yeah, I was trying to think of the other teams. I always think of Boise State first because when I was in college and right after college, they were amazing. Was that when, like, Kellen Moore was the quarterback and whatnot? Yes, yep. And Chris Peterson was the head coach? Yep. They were pretty good, that's for sure. You know, but now it's, what, UCF, they're pretty good, Central Florida? Oh, yeah, they're great. So, yeah, that's why I'm saying without these, you know, huge programs like a Michigan, a Wisconsin, a Ohio yeah. State, I mean, that's opening doors if they're going to have that. And like you said, there's all kinds yeah. of things, intangibles that we do not know yet. But, yeah, it's very questioning. It's curious to see what happens. Yeah, I'd love to see them expanded eventually, too, though, get more teams in that college football playoff. Yeah, with so many colleges and only having four spots, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. But like I said, you're a huge college football fan. I want to bust out a top five. What are your five top college programs? Oh, five top college programs. I would say, you know, I I love Jim Harbaugh. I love what he what he says and I hate how he just says what's on his mind and stuff like that. So right now, you know, I'd put Michigan on that list for me. You know, a lot of the programs I like are because of the coaches too. Rutgers, when they get to play again, are going to surprise some people with Greg Schiano coming back. So, you know, I would say that that'd probably be a top five program 
for me to watch for the next couple of years. And then the next three, when I was in high school, I got to go up to Western Michigan. Uh, this was when Bill Cuba was the coach there. You know, did a camp up there, was on campus and everything like that. And so, you know, I, I fell in love with that campus. And then they hired P.J. Fleck, who was a phenomenal He's a phenomenal coach in my book. I mean, he's just got all those fleckisms and stuff like that. But, you know, he was there. And then when I graduated at Marquette, I played a year of football at Elmer's College. And the head coach there was Tim Lester. And now he's the head coach at Western Michigan. He went from Elmer's to, to coach quarterbacks at Syracuse and became the offensive coordinator there and then bounced to Purdue. And now he's the head coach at his alma mater, which is Western Michigan. I would say Western Michigan is probably my third. Right now I love Minnesota because of P.J. Fleck and what he did last year at Minnesota was incredible. You know, he just turns around programs. But all-time favorite program, doesn't matter if they're good or bad. I'm a diehard blue and gold Notre Dame fan. I've been with them, watching them from when Willingham was the coach and then we went through the Weiss era with Brady Quinn. And, you know, I loved watching Brady Quinn play when I was in, when it was in junior high, you know, and then – we uh, hired Brian Kelly, and, you know, I think he's done a great job with the Notre Dame program. Uh, had a couple down years, but turned it around a little bit, and, you know, he's making them competitive, and it's hard to do at Notre Dame. And, and say what you want, people are always Notre Dame haters. You either love them or you hate them. But, you know, I think college football is more exciting when Notre Dame's relevant. I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan. I don't, like, hate them or anything. Just not a huge fan. But I do agree that college football is more exciting and I think more people pay attention when Notre Dame is successful. I mean, most people either love them or hate them. You know, that's my interaction. I've never really heard someone say, well, I don't really hate them, but, you know, you know, I don't love them either. It's usually one way or the other. I think that's why. I feel like Notre Dame is the equivalent of Duke in college basketball. Like, you might hate Duke, you may love Duke, but when Duke is successful or in a tournament and in a Sweet 16, it's just more fun to watch because you want to see if they win or if they get beat. Yep. Well, Nick, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This has been a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of stuff, IHSA-wise, your new gigs at St. Bede. Thank you for spending some time with us and chatting it up. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to just get to talk with you again. I haven't seen you in a while, and, uh, you know, I listen to your podcast, and I, I love what you're doing. So keep up the good work, man.